And American Jews are going to vote, understandably so, as a minority, both religiously and, if you will, ethnically, the Jewish community in the U.S. is a minority. It's very true that the American Jewish community is going to align with the Biden campaign. If you believe in racial equality, if you believe in ethnic equality, vote for us. Now, whether that actually will play itself out as true remains to be seen. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that God is doing something unique in Israel and among the Jewish people around the world. Our goal is to inform you on matters affecting you in the Christian world. And today we're going to continue our three-part series talking about the elections. If you haven't listened to the other two episodes, we did an episode before the election, the day after, uh, and now it's about six days after the election. So we're going to discuss. Just this past weekend, uh, it was projected that the winner of the election is Joe Biden. And I'm using projected there specifically because of all the controversy going around among the election. So Ezra, how are Jewish organizations or the Jewish community reacting to the results? Yeah, good question, Carly. And let me say uh, right at the outset of this episode that it's important for our audience to understand that we're making a distinction. And I really, if I can be so bold, our audience should make a distinction between the views and the political opinions of the American Jewish public in general, we'll talk about the statistics in a minute, as it relates to safety and security for Jewish people in the states and around the world as a separate issue from American foreign policy related to the state of Israel, the political entity uh, or the Jewish state of Israel in the Middle East. Those things are not synonymous. People feel differently about them. And the presidential candidates responded a bit differently uh, depending on which of those two issues you're talking about. So just a quick recap, we have, uh, I believe last week in the in the uh, podcast we sent out, Carly, before or the day after the elections, uh, we mentioned that about 76% of American Jews voted for Biden this year. Uh, the, the more accurate statistic as more exit poll data has come in is that 77% of American Jews voted, voted Democrat this year. And that's up seven points from the 70% of American Jews who voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. So increased American Jewish support of the Democratic Party. They voted blue in greater numbers, we think, than ever before generally, as we've talked about several times. Uh, about three quarters of the American Jewish community over the last several decades has voted for the Democratic Party, the Democrats uh, in every presidential election, and that was no exception this time, but even more so at 77%. So the question is why? And if you read some of these comments and we encourage our audience to get on Jerusalem Post, to get on Israel National News, check the headlines as they relate to the uh, connections between the U.S. presidential elections and the American Jewish response and the Israeli response, government and Israeli public. Uh, check the details out for yourselves. Our purpose here is just to highlight a few of those things because, quite frankly, no matter what American news you're watching these days, we're very self-absorbed. There's not a lot of discussion on foreign policy. There's a lot of discussion on domestic issues, COVID, racial tensions. You know, uh, Carly, you're going to talk about the Biden campaign priorities in a few minutes, but those things are largely focused inward. So we want to focus outward, not just generically to the nations, specifically also to the president or the projected presidential winner, Joe Biden's positions as it relates to Israel. 
Israel. So Jewish reactions, American Jewish entities by and large are very supportive of the projected win of Joe Biden. The Anti-Defamation League has said that at least the 2019 data we have, which is the latest numbers we have, Carly, that anti-Semitism is up to record highs. And whether you agree with this or not, the American Jewish community has largely attributed that uh, record level of anti-Semitism in the United States to a Trump presidency. Well, how can we say that? Trump's pro-Israel. Trump's pro-Jewish. Trump has Jewish family members. You know, what do you mean anti-Semitism? True. But again, let's separate the issue of pro-Israel from uh, how that affects the daily lives of American Jews. Uh, what do we mean by that? A lot of American Jewish leaders and these American Jewish organizations actually see a correlation between the neo-Nazi or white supremacist or, you know, gun-toting rural people who have arisen in America and felt emboldened to express their views during Trump's four years in office so far. And they see a direct correlation there with anti-Semitism. Is that true? Is that not true? It's hard to say. What we can say is that there has been an increase in observed incidents and rhetoric of anti-Semitism in the United States. So whoever you want to blame for that or to whomever or whatever uh, entity or president you want to attribute that, the data is there to in indicate that that's gone up. And American Jews are going to vote, understandably so, as a minority, both religiously and, if you will, ethnically, the Jewish community in the U.S. is a minority. Millions of people in the midst of hundreds of millions of American citizens who got to vote this year. And so the American Jewish community is going to vote strongly on issues of perceived minority protection and ethnic minority equality. Uh, and so in that sense, it's very true that the American Jewish community is going to align with those issues. And this year, as we understood, the Biden campaign really took a strong stand in saying, if you believe in racial equality, if you believe in ethnic equality and justice for all people's religions, races, vote for us. Now, whether that actually will play itself out as true uh, remains to be seen, depending on whether Biden is inaugurated and then what he actually does. We all know actions speak louder than words. And so, Carly, where we're at on this podcast is all we can do at this point is take campaign promises from both parties and take the initial comments of Joe Biden and his, his proposed administration um, having been projected to win the election and actually claiming that victory on international news a few days ago. But time will tell, I think, is what we can say. Uh, actions will speak louder than, than words. So uh, where are the Israeli public at? Some people are, are thrilled with the Biden projected victory. Others are concerned. What are they concerned about? Well, really the safety in the region um, and how much power and authority is going to be given to the Palestinian people. We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. But Carly, tell us a little bit about how Netanyahu himself, prime minister of Israel, responded to the uh, projected victory for Biden. Yeah, I always just find it so interesting that we now can hear directly from leaders by reading their tweets, uh, which I'm sure, you know, decades ago, people never even dreamed of that. Uh, but on Saturday, uh, which was the day that the projected winner of Joe Biden was announced, uh, Netanyahu tweeted two different tweets, one to Donald Trump, where he said, thank you for the friendship you have shown the state of Israel and me personally, for recognizing Jerusalem and the Golan, for standing up to Iran, for the historic peace accords, and for bringing the American-Israeli alliance to unprecedented heights. And as Ezra mentioned last week, uh, Netanyahu and Trump have had a good relationship uh, and work together. And then he also tweeted, congratulations to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Joe, we've had 
a long and warm personal relationship for nearly 40 years, and I know you as a great friend of Israel. I look forward to working with both of you to further strengthen the special alliance between the United States and Israel. Um, Ezra mentioned last week that Netanyahu and Obama didn't have as strong as a relationship. So if Joe Biden uh, becomes the next president, it will be interesting to see how his relationship with Netanyahu is, especially since he states here that they've you know, been in relationship for 40 years or so. I'm guessing that's just through different you know, government positions that he's held. Yeah, Curly, it's important uh, for our audience to understand the issue here isn't pro-Israel, anti-Israel. If that was the issue, we, I think, would, more than I think, I know, uh, we would be much more bold on this podcast to indicate, you know, how we hoped uh, the election would go. American foreign policy is historically depend regardless of whether it's been a Republican or a Democrat in the office, in the in the Oval Office, American foreign policy is overtly pro-Israel. Regardless of who the president is, Israel's going to recognize the United States as uh, one of, if not its closest ally, its strongest supporter in the world. And that's an enduring relationship. When that changes, I think that's the indication of much larger changes. Uh, but that's a, t- a topic in the world, but that's a topic for another podcast. So sure, Biden is a friend of Israel. Biden is overtly an- you know, anti-anti-Semitism. Uh, he said that in his campaign promises that he would work to eradicate anti-Semitism or at least to dramatically reduce it, I should say. That's the better word. Trump said the same thing. Both candidates vow support of Israel. Both candidates have a working relationship with Donald Trump. That's not the question. The question is, what does support of Israel mean? What do the Palestinians have to do with that? And how does support of Israel get mixed in with the United States' Uh, larger policies in the Middle East, Iran, United Arab Emirates, uh, Sudan. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Yeah. So even though it's only been just a couple of days since uh, Biden was projected as the winner, he's already stood up his transitional website and listed what his four main priorities are, which are mostly domestic. The first being coronavirus, of course. The second being the economic recovery third being racial equality, and fourth being climate change. If you go to his website, he you can click on each of those and it details what he's planning on doing under each of those different topics. Um, obviously, none of those have to do with Israel, though racial equality may have something to do with anti-Semitism or just racism and different things happening in the United States this past year. So besides his four main priorities, Ezra, what do you think are going to be kind of any issues that he may be paying attention to or we should be watching for that have to do with Israel and the Jewish people? Sure. There's a few, Carly. And uh, one right away that I can think of is the uh, recognition of Jerusalem as the eternal capital of the Jewish state and the Jewish people. As we know, 2018, Donald Trump relocated the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. Again, important to understand not to make Jerusalem the capital. That's Israel's decision as a sovereign state, but to recognize Jerusalem as the capital and the embassy exists there. It's actually uh, one of the consular offices that became the temporary embassy. And there are plans to build a larger permanent embassy nearby in the south of Jerusalem in Israel. Joe Biden, in writing, in his campaign promises and stated positions on issues, said he disagreed with the time, the, the when and the how of the relocation of the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem and the recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's eternal capital. But he also said, I will not seek to change that. 
actions speak louder than words. And that's something, Carly, here at this podcast that we're going to be monitoring very closely in the days and the weeks to come. Biden has promised not to not to re-relocate the embassy of of the United States outside of Jerusalem to Tel Aviv or to any other place. If there's a move to do that, as far as I'm concerned, that would be a direct violation of campaign promises. Not that other presidents in the past haven't violated campaign promises, but that's an important one for me. Uh, so we should be looking at that, the uh, enduring recognition of Jerusalem by the United States as the capital of Israel. Uh, another thing to watch is the Abraham Accords. As we know, it's just unprecedented forging of diplomatic relations between Israel and not just uh, Arab states, not just Muslim-controlled Arab states, but actually Sharia law Arab states such as the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, as we know, have formed these historic peace accords. Uh, there's flights now for the first time in Israel's history going back and forth between Dubai, between Abu Dhabi and Tel Aviv. Uh, a little bit on hold right now because Israel is shut down to prevent further spread of COVID, shut down to outsiders and tourists uh, without some very strong restrictions. But uh, anyway, the fact that those flights even exist in the airspace is open is unprecedented. There's talk of uh, uh, upcoming peace accords between Saudi Arabia. We know the peace accords with Sudan and Israel and the formation for the first time of diplomatic relations is happening under the Trump administration. Now, is Joe Biden going to continue those things? Many would hope that he does, but there's a challenge here. And uh, that brings us to our next thing that we should be watching uh, that we're not going to hear in terms of campaign priorities, but that has to very much be a part of the plan as Joe Biden looks at his projected uh, presidency for four to eight years uh, and determines what actions are going to be taken. And that is the sticky wicket, as our British English speaking friends might say, of Iran. What about Iran? Iran has proposed to, if, if, their, if their foreign policy as it relates to Israel is carried out, then one of the chief ministers of defense for Iran said several years ago, we will pick up pieces of Tel Aviv from the floor of the Mediterranean and that Tel Aviv and Haifa will be only a memory. Now, that's pretty strong language. When the Ayatollah Khomeini, the supreme leader of Iran at present, was questioned about this, he said, uh, we're not actually anti-Jewish people, we're just anti-state of Israel. And listen to our other podcasts on that issue. Can you, can you divorce the people of Israel from the state of Israel? We would say, no, you can't, because there's promises we find in the scriptures, whether those are politically correct or they aren't, and let me just, uh, spoiler alert, they aren't, that God has promised the land of Israel forever to the Jewish people, not because of our obedience and faithfulness, but because he's a promise-keeping God and does what he says he'll do. And he's restored Israel and Jerusalem into Jewish hands uh, in the days in which we live. And so the Ayatollah's comments may have satisfied some people at the Muslim convention he was speaking at, but how, how do you eliminate the Jewish state without eliminating a significant portion of the Jewish people? maybe hundreds of thousands to millions. So that argument doesn't hold uh, a lot of water as far as I'm concerned. Where does the U.S. come in? Well, as you know, under the Obama administration, we joined in with the Iran nuclear deal to Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, chagrin, so strong a chagrin actually that he came and spoke to the U.N., a few years back, specifically about this issue, appealing to the United Nations not to support the Iran nuclear deal because it would mean destabilization and potential nuclear warfare at the expense of hundreds of thousands to millions of lives, not only in Israel, but in the surrounding region. Under the Trump administration, the U.S. 
in a bold move, opposed by much of the world and praised by other parts of the world, backed out of the Iran nuclear deal. And the Biden administration has made it clear that they intend to rejoin that nuclear deal. So peace in the Middle East, cooperation between Iran and the United States, what could be wrong with that? Well, what you're doing, in my opinion, if you will, and in Benjamin Netanyahu's opinion, also is you're putting the permission to quickly develop nuclear weapons back in the hands of of an administration that says they will, at least in part, use those same capabilities and same weapons to wipe out the Jewish state. That's a problem for the only true democracy in the Middle East and, and the United States' strongest friend in the Middle East. Yes, we're in an alliance with the Emirates. Yes, we enjoy a good relationship with other, you know, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Egypt, but our strongest ally has been and continues to be Israel. Putting nuclear capabilities back in Iranian hands is a serious problem, and I think we should watch that. And the Biden administration, in the first few days of proposed or projected victory, has already made it clear they intend to rejoin that deal. So, embassy in Jerusalem, the Abraham Accords, Iran, not to mention what ends up happening or not happening in terms of combating anti-Semitism in America and around the world, these are all things we should be watching. And we'll continue to keep our audience updated here on a Jew and a Gentile Discuss. So, Carly, no shortage of uh, exciting issues to keep to keep our eyes on. And uh, we're so focused on, on providing headlines, providing details, even providing at times our feelings on those here, because they may not be covered in the general media. And uh, we want our audience to be informed. We know uh, Christian or Jewish Israel is on your mind to whatever degree, and uh, we want to make sure you know what's really happening and how the United States policies and foreign policies affect what's happening in Israel and the Middle East and here on the home front with the millions of Jews who call the United States home. Yeah, and as we've said before, uh, we encourage you to read all different Israel news sites, different American news sites, just you know, get all the information and gather your own opinion. Uh, because if you're just listening to one side, you're probably not getting all of the facts. Um, so Ezra, a lot has happened in the last week. Um, you know, the election lasted days and days, and many could say it's still going on. Some states, especially the one that we live in, Arizona, still hasn't finished all of their counts. Uh, some of the other states haven't finished their counts. Many are being disputed. There's lawyers being sent places. It's like a, a real live reality show, basically. Um, so what's kind of your summary or where are you at um, on the status of the election? Yeah, you know, Carly, the command for believers, Jew and Gentile alike in scripture is to pray for those in authority, right? Because we recognize that the hand of the Lord directs the hearts of kings like channels of water, uh, as, as the scriptures say. And uh, so we here at A Jew and a Gentile discuss, I know you and I personally uh, partners of ours like Jewish Voice Ministries uh, are committed to praying for and with our words and in our action, blessing the president of the United States of America and leaders in other countries where we serve and the leadership in the state of Israel, uh, because that's what we're commanded to do, regardless of who wins the election. So whether Biden's projected win turns out to actually be the case or whether something happens and it becomes clear that Trump uh, would be the projected winner. Either way, where I'm at, I'm committed to praying for and blessing them and honoring the office, even when it's hard for me to honor the person. That's something uh, somebody taught me years ago during my time uh, uh, over a decade ago in Chicago. They said, if you can't honor the person, off, honor the office the person occupies. And so I think we could go a long way. You know, we do have free speech 
And that's something as we travel around the world ministering to Jewish communities, Carly, I'm, I'm continually astonished at what portion of the world doesn't truly enjoy free speech. So uh, I praise God that we live in a country where we can truly say anything we want to say, pro or anti, leading party, president, Congress, uh, whatever, and that we have the freedom to say that. That being said, my exhortation to our listeners is we can voice our opinions while still honoring people who occupy positions of authority in our country, whether they're incumbent or whether they're projected winners. So that's something on my mind. And look, people may agree or disagree with the Electoral College, and some people say we should go to a popular vote system. As, as a government led by the people, the people have the ability to change that system should we choose to do that and to amend our Constitution. That's always on the table. Right now, we have an Electoral College, and what that means is that the majority of votes in any given state should inform the Electoral College's decision on who the president becomes state by state. So what I'm praying for, Carly, in the next days is that we validate and verify, regardless of who the winner is, that every American citizen who chose to vote has a legitimate vote that's counted once and only once. And that illegitimate votes, if they exist in the system for whatever party, either side of the line, are, are discarded as truly illegitimate. So my prayer is that if there's anything that we need to see in terms of exposure of wrongdoing on either side, that that becomes clear and that uh, we have patience with one another through the processes in place to uh, explore that and that we tru truly have a vote which represents state by state how the majority of Americans at the state level voted. And so I guess all we can say there is we'll wait and see, but uh, letting our audience into my own prayer life, I'm praying for that. I'm praying for a truly democratic process. I'm praying for clarity on the true results of the elections when real votes are counted, legitimate votes are counted. And uh, finally, I'm praying for peace. We have the right in this country to protest loudly, boldly, anywhere that we want to protest if we don't like how something's going or how it has gone. What I, what, what's a line for me that I hope doesn't get crossed any more than it already has is to destroy and to inflict harm on people or property if I don't like how something's going. That's not, in my opinion, a right we enjoy. We enjoy the right to peaceful protest, not violent destruction. And so that's uh, a prayer on my list as well, however things go in the coming weeks, that people and property and lives, however people voted, would be protected and defended against violence or vengeance. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Ezra. I, I also really like what you said about respecting the office, whether or not you respect or honor or agree with the person, which whichever way you voted, that will probably come into play. But I think the fact that we can live in a country that has a democracy and has what should be a balanced government, I think no matter how you feel about which person should be president, the outcome of both the Senate and uh, the House are much more balanced. It didn't just lean one way or the other. Having both sides, I think, is really important. And that did come out of this election. So I think we can take confidence in that, whether you are a Republican or a Democrat or somewhere in between, that there is there will be balanced opinions because of that. I agree with your encouragement to pray for both leaders. I also think it's important that if uh, Joe Biden becomes the president, that uh, we pray for Donald Trump as he has to transition out. I can't imagine how difficult that would be, thinking that you would have four more years 
Um, and now we, you know, we agree to a peaceful transition as part of our process and pray for Joe Biden as, and his team as they have to transition in. We encourage you to unify, come together, pray for everyone in our government uh, as we move forward. Uh, but one of the things that are, is important to us at A Jew and a Gentile Discuss is Israel and the Jewish people. And if you support what we're doing, uh, we have a way for you to get involved with us. So Ezra, can you tell everyone about what that is? I'd love to, Carly. You know, uh, as you said, we stand with Israel. We stand with the Jewish people. We stand with segments of the Jewish community who are isolated, sidelined, persecuted for their identity and their faith or their ethnicity. Uh, just like that was uh, a topic of great discussion and great import in this year's elections, to, no matter how people voted, uh, one of the things we're doing through partner ministries like Jewish Voice and others through this podcast and those who support it is standing with people who are being persecuted for the sake of their Jewish ethnicity, Jewish religious practices, Jewish identity uh, in places like Ethiopia, isolated, uh, living on the, on the fringes of poverty, uh, in sustenance, farming, sometimes without hope, wondering how to practice their Jewish identity and if they even can or should in places like Zimbabwe, reaching out to people uh, in the latter years of life who just want to have uh, a, a decent set of teeth in their mouth so they can eat well again and not have so much pain among the Holocaust survivor community in Israel. Uh, those places and others we haven't mentioned, not to mention um, sharing the good news that we do have a Messiah and his name is Jesus Yeshua with Jewish communities here in America and in Canada. Uh, and there's so much more we could mention, Carly. But uh, for those listening today who are saying, look, there's so much uncertainty right now, but one thing I am certain about is that I feel this burden to stand with and to bless the Jewish people. Why not do that through our podcast? Details are on our website, ajewandagentiledisgust.org. But we do have some very practical monthly or other ways that you can stand with us and sow financial support into the ministry we're doing around the world in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Jewish Messiah and the Savior of all the world. Uh, even in difficult times, we're still out there and our partner ministries are still out there doing the work that they've been called to do. So consider standing with us as a thank you for that. We want to get some uh, delicious Ethiopian coffee into your hands. And I just finished my first pot before we uh, recorded this podcast. So I'll be brewing some more in a couple minutes right after we uh, finish today's today's recording, Carly. But uh, again, a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org, all the details on how you can get involved and stand with us as we stand with the Jewish people are there. And thanks so much for your support. Thanks, Ezra. And thanks to our audience for listening today. Uh, like I mentioned, this is the third part of our election series. If you haven't listened to the other two, go back and listen to those. Um, if you want to hear more episodes of A Jew and a Gentile Discuss, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love if you leave us a review, share this podcast with someone you know. You can follow us and engage with us on social media at the handle A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. You can also ask us any questions, get more information about this podcast on our website, A Jew and a Gentile Discuss.org. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another episode. The show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.